0: Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, and welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today I have with me Carrie McKeegan. Welcome to the show, Carrie. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So, Carrie, you do some of all the exciting stuff that people hate doing themselves. So, do you want to give the audience a little bit of background to what you do and how exciting you make it? <laughs> sure.
1: I've never heard it described that way before, actually. I like it. <laughs> um, so, I, um, I run a business that does taxes for Americans who live overseas. Um, we are called Greenback Expat Tax Services, and we're about a 10-year-old company, um, all 100% remote.
0: Sounds perfect. Now, are you saying no one else don't like doing their taxes? <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> um, what I'm saying is that I've never heard it described so nicely before. People usually describe it in a very like, oh, she does this really <laughs> boring thing.
0: <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, no, but that's good. And, and how big is your company now, Kerry? How much stock uh, do you have?
1: We're about 50 people now.
0: 50 people, so that's, that's a lot of taxes.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we do, we actually do taxes. I think we literally have every single country um, that we, we do taxes for Americans living in every single country um, across the world. So it's it's um, quite a big operation at this point.
0: Wow, that's impressive. That's impressive. How, how long have you guys been going?
1: So we started the business um, 10 years ago. So last year was our 10 year anniversary. So yeah, Amazing. so we start. Yeah, it is. And it's, you know, it's funny because we started the business when we were living in London and we really just thought oh people in the UK need this and it just kind of grew and grew and grew you know so it's pretty nice to see where it is now
0: excellent yeah that's how how the best businesses grow I think a lot of the time you know people start up in one direction and like a lot of the time when people are starting a business they need to either fumble around to find their nature you know suddenly they hit something and they're like wow I hit gold so it's it's often trial and error and awesome to hear you've built such a big business by now Yeah. from a management standpoint, how, how do you think management? Because one of the most exciting things for me interviewing you is, is I've heard you speak a few times and I love the way you guys do things a little different. So how do you think management? And when you think about management in general, like what's sort of your, your philosophy and so on?
1: Um, well, I mean, it's hard to sum up in just a few words, but essentially, I mean, for me, I run a 100% remote team and that's, that's really common these days. But 10 years ago, it really wasn't. 10 years ago, it was like, how do you know if people are working? How do you get to know them? Like It was, you know, really, really very different. And so I think, you know, when I think about why I always thought that was possible is that I really think kind of the best and brightest people and the people that I want to work with don't need that constant oversight and frankly they don't really want it so my philosophy overall is bring in people who are better than you are at whatever it is you're trying to hire for so you know every single kind of piece within the company um, have an extraordinary amount of trust but i also am a very very structured person so i really like you know i really believe in the idea of having um you know strong and really kind of robust sops we do a lot of management reporting so in general, you know, I think there's probably two things that really compose my management style. And one is, you know, really bringing in people who can operate very independently and don't need a lot of oversight and, you know, are just really, really capable at, at whatever it is we're bringing them in for. Um, yeah. But two, actually making sure that you have kind of a structure and a, and a way that you have things reported against in place.
0: Yeah. That, uh, that makes a lot of sense and, and, and I really like the way you're, you're talking about that. I, I've, I've, <laughs> I've definitely experienced a lot of people who are you know, hiring great people and so on, but exactly where most of them fail is they give a ton of responsibility and they often struggle to follow up. They struggle to have good numbers and so on, right? So uh, obviously your structured personality is a benefit in that regard because even, even when you have like the most amazing people, Uh, for for all of us, like deadlines and targets and goals is things that push us as human beings, right? And if we don't have a boss pushing us, if we don't have like someone who's, you know, pushing a little bit harder than we would ourselves, then, you know, you're not getting the most out of people. So I really like the way you, you think about that.
1: Yeah, and sometimes it's not even just about getting stuff, getting, you know, getting something out of people because I kind of inherently believe that people try their best, you know, that they really want to do good work and that they really want to contribute in this world. But sometimes it's about that really, really clear identification of what good looks like. So if you aren't, if you don't have something very defined, sometimes it's actually really hard to know if you are kind of one percent apart all the time in terms of the direction. So it's having that really, really good clarity on the metrics, on the goals, so that you just know that you're all deploying your efforts in the right direction.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, how big is your management team right now? Like, how many managers do you have?
1: Um, it's about ten people, I want to say, including me.
0: Okay, that's that's a great number with fifteen staff, fifty staff. And-
1: And I have to say, I call the management team. Everybody who's not doing taxes. So that's not the same as the leadership team. So we only have a couple of people that are, you know, heading up um, You know, marketing or operations or or HR, but, you know, we have, you know, people that are doing sales and customer service and, you know, helping manage the um, You know, the systems and things like that. So that's kind of the full end to end in terms of who's doing non uh, non tax related work.
0: Sure. That makes, that makes sense. And yeah, people always look at that slightly different, right? But yeah, that's good. That's good. And what, what, what do you see like currently, what, what, what's the biggest challenges? Like what's the biggest sort of management things that you struggle with, with the organization you have and, 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 and a company that have been going for 10 years?
1: Um, you know, we're we're in we're gr- growing, which is a wonderful thing to have. But I feel like one of one of my big goals for 2020 is to make sure that we're sort of um, setting ourselves up and planning for like a year in the future, as opposed to three to six months in the future. So yep. what I'm finding is that, you know, We do a ton of reporting, a ton of planning, and a ton of structure, and we're really, really good at that, but it's, we're always just a little bit understaffed, and I actually don't mean on the accountant side of things. I mean on the management side, team side of things, so we just seem to always be, have a little bit more that we want to do than we, you know, have time to do a little bit of that stretch, and so my real goal is to just create a little bit more flex um, for people in their days so that. Not only are we doing all of the projects that that we know need to get done but that there's just a little bit of time to kind of explore some fun opportunities and feel like we're kind of getting ahead of things as opposed to just having enough time to do the sort of you know not minimum but just the sort of base um level of activity so it's definitely for us it's about kind of catching up to that growth a little bit and trying to just be a little bit ahead of that in terms of um, workload
0: yeah yeah it's already always a funny concept right because i think if if you're talking most like to i i think no one ever walks home and have everything done right There's we can always find more stuff to do but there's definitely a very good balance to be struck between it right and and obviously if there's very sort of critical projects you can't get done and and particularly if there's stuff where you know you can bring in additional resource and get a huge ROI on it like that's that's really where the magical line is. So that's a a really interesting observation.
1: Yeah, and we have, you know, there's there's all these kind of fun marketing campaigns that we don't know if they're going to work or not, right? Like we have absolutely no idea. And so it's a hard thing to prioritize that if you have other things that you know are going to work. But that's where kind of real improvement lies is being able to do those things where you're kind of testing and experimenting. And that's my goal is to be able to give that time back to people um, to be able to, you know, try things out that maybe don't have a great ROI, but they want to try and, you know, then kind of embed that into our, you know, overall business habits, the things that work and, you know, kind of abandon the things that don't.
0: Yeah, That makes total sense. And Carrie, what what's the biggest management challenge you've faced so far in the 10 years the business have been going? Like what's the, what, what's the biggest sort of, oh shit moment you've had from a management standpoint?
1: Um, So from a people management perspective, you know, you tend to find, and I think this is fairly common in companies that grow very fast, is that you, you, you tend to have sort of people on the team that are wonderful, that you kind of outgrow, and it's about making sure that you have a really good balance of kind of knowing what the business needs and also doing right by your team. I don't know how to put it exactly, but I I essentially, I want people to continue to grow with us. And sometimes I fail to see if they're wanting those increased responsibilities, increased roles. Um, You know, if that's coming for, that prompt is coming from them or if it's more coming from me, for example.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's very interesting. And I think, I think very often it's also sort of a, 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 it, it can be very complicated because sometimes people don't naturally show it where you need to encourage them and and you know something they actually end up loving and, and really want to do but but there's definitely also times where you know you have people that you know they've reached a level they want to be uh, they're in a job they really love and so on right so so that's that's definitely a tough balance sometimes so
1: yeah and often people think that the right answer is to say that they want more responsibility so they yes. they're conditioned to believe that the default answer is well of course if i'm an individual contributor i want to be a manager. Or if I am, you know, working in one part of marketing, I want to work in another part of marketing too. Like people feel that that's the right answer. And I think sometimes you need to read between the lines and kind of look at behaviors and, and kind of where people are just kind of can't help them work on those things as opposed to what they're saying specifically. Yeah. Well, to say, hey, you don't have to, you don't have to do, you know, leadership if you actually don't want that you know don't feel like that's sort of the default answer here um that's not something that i need you to be able to do um to be able to stay with the team
0: and I think that's a very, very good point, right? Like honestly, I work a lot with a lot of entrepreneurs in the same mindset, right Like a lot of people you know they're looking at people around them and you know their partner and whatever they're all pushing them like, "Oh, you should do this, you should do this but 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 really getting to know yourself and you know understanding what what it is you really enjoy. It's just so much more important, and, and I think like I've seen many people move sort of sideways within a business, like you know if they're in marketing, move into web dev, or you know move like it, it's not always about up, and particularly in in sort of jobs like like you have where where it's location independent, like that gives generally people a lot of opportunity to do many other things in their life, where where work might not be the center right? And and work can still be an important part, but, you know, there are other things that they prioritize higher and, and like growth from, for example, a management standpoint is, is not necessarily the thing they want to do, right?
1: Right. Yeah. So,
0: I don't think, uh, yeah. And, and most entrepreneurs, I mean, when, when you're looking at most entrepreneurs, they're always told, oh, make more money, you know, 10x, 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 and, you know, grow it really big and stuff. And, and so often, like I tell people, like, is that what you want or is that what people tell you you should want because that is like when you build a business that's really important right
1: right being really intentional about the level of growth and that's something that you know is a challenge for us as a business because you know we we need excellent really really talented accountants to be able to grow the business well so people often say to me like oh well you i mean if you look at the number of expats that are out there and you look at kind of your marketing skill set like you guys could grow 500 percent next year and i'm like yeah but i don't think that's the right thing to do because the minute you start growing that fast you know you kind of lose control of a, manage it in a certain way so there's so many different reasons why really really fast growth sometimes just isn't a smart move i mean it really can derail people
0: Yep. Yeah, and, and it, like in in most businesses, it's it's about keeping that balance, right? Because what one of the key things I always work with people on is is setting good business goals that actually balance like sales, marketing, and operations. Because a lot of time people are like, "Oh yeah, let's invest a lot of money into sales and and marketing, and you know get a lot more clients," but they actually forget that it have to be fulfilled somehow, right? Right and if you get a lot of clients but you're doing a shit job when you get them you know that that can like really hurt you
1: yeah and i have to say there's that you know if there's one thing that's one thing that we actually did really well which almost killed us i mean it absolutely was you know so hard to do where we kind of you know realized at a point about 3 years ago I looked at all of our systems and infrastructure and I was like, oh, we're just going to outgrow this. And it's, it's just, you know, it's kind of not a good idea to be on systems that will sustain you for another year or two. Um, and that, I mean, that's probably a little bit of an exaggeration. So we really stopped and kind of completely set up the business so that it can scale fully operationally, but it meant that all of our management time and attention for about two years was about implementing these completely different scalable systems. And frankly, that's not as much fun in some ways, right? So it was a little bit of a challenge to get everybody deployed and excited about doing that for that long of a time.
0: So, and again, that depends on who you're talking with, right? Because a lot of entrepreneurs would not find that exciting, but there's definitely people who love doing that sort of thing, right? So again, if you get the right people working on it, um, they at least they, they keep themselves entertained, right?
1: Yeah, I think I'm thinking some of the sales, and marketing and the accounts were like uh i don't want to switch systems <laughs> you know what i mean like sure. i don't want yeah. a new way of doing things you're like well this is what we're gonna do and now they love it but it definitely wasn't a fun transition people don't always like change in terms of process
0: definitely and then you know new is always scary in one way or another so right yeah no that's that's really interesting and i, I think like you see a majority of businesses like where it like i work a lot with, with sort of very online businesses, right? And, and like a lot of SaaS companies and SEO companies and so on. And every company that I've gotten to where you are with 50 people, they've all had at least one of these spells of period of time where they really delivered shit. Right. And that's like, it, it's very interesting to go back and look at, but the thing is they all learn a lot from it. Right. They all learn a lot from that experience. And I think, It's one of those things that really, when when you have first been in a situation where you haven't delivered well, you definitely don't want to go back into that, right?
1: Yeah. And for us, it wasn't so much that we weren't delivering well, because for customers, it was completely irrelevant. It was the amount of, you know, it was really kind of thinking through like in this, you know, the way that we have things structured. You know, we can probably grow 25%, but could we triple? And do we want to, you know, continue to invest time and energy into a system? So, like, kind of our CRM system was the big thing, and, and the way the, the process that sat behind it in a system that we know, you know, we don't want to continue to improve this, we want something different. So, we sort of stack and rebuilt all of it. Um, but it was just, a, you know, it was a lot of energy and attention for something that wasn't already broken. Um, so sometimes I had moments in the middle of that, but I'm like, what am I doing? This is crazy, right? Just let it keep running as it is. It has no customer impact. But now it's really nice because everything on the back end, all the reporting's really easy. All the, you know, processes really, it's just a, you know, it just sort of sets us up for growth.
0: Perfect. Perfect. What What is the most unexpected, amazing hire that you've made personally? Oh,
1: Well, so the the lady, and she's actually on maternity leave at the moment, but there's a lady named Lisa who um, helps me run the business. She's the director of business operations. And you know, when I hired her, I literally was, and I remember exactly what I was doing. (laughs) It was 2000 and I want to say it was 2014. Um, And I just needed somebody for a marketing assistant role, like a 30 day, all right, I just need some, I need some work on marketing. And um, I was living in Bali at the time. And it was just one of those like, okay, let's, you know, get somebody in place. Let's get somebody in my time zone, which wasn't the easiest thing at that time. Um, and I just need kind of a second set of hands. So my expectations weren't dramatically high in this hire. I really just needed somebody who can do some marketing intern type work. And um, I hired this lady, Lisa, and she has sort of, you know, continued. And, and really, she she was overqualified for that role from the beginning. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she always could do more than just marketing assistant work. Sure. Um, but she's just been able to really grow from kind of a very, very marketing, you know, specific skill set. You know, focus in marketing operations, and then into people management, and being able to see the business end to end. So, I would say that was definitely unexpected. I mean, I didn't know when I was hiring her that I was hiring somebody who would be a future leader for the business. That wasn't part of the job brief, and yet, you know, she was the one who sort of really showed those skills and really showed that initiative. Um, almost from day one, you could see that you know she was going to continue to grow and grow. So,
0: that's probably awesome. most unexpected. Awesome. Yeah, it's awesome when you have some of those hires and uh, sometimes you're, you're really depending on it, right? You're really hiring people in easy. so.
1: Yeah, and it's always a real challenge because hiring for skills and hiring for mindset, it's like, obviously you want to hire for both, right? <laughs> so you want to hire somebody that has all the skills you need for the job and the right mindset. But one of the things that I've really realized is if you have to choose between the two, you have to hire for mindset, right? So if you get to a point where, you're trying to figure out, you know, you can't, you you need to find somebody and you have two choices, right? And usually you should just keep interviewing, right? But you need to hire somebody who has that growth mindset that wants to, that sees things the way that your, you know, company values, um, you know, resonates with your company values, as opposed yeah. to somebody who can just do the contents of that role. That only takes you so far.
0: Yeah. No, and and I... I mean, honestly. So, de- depending a lot on the role. I, I mean, it, it's not a, a point blank, but but I would say a lot of the time, like I would much rather hire people with a great attitude, uh, because I I think for most of most of what what we do at least online, like you know, it's it's not that skill heavy. Like a lot of stuff can be learned pretty quickly. But if you have an amazing human being who just fits in your culture, and as you said, like just perfect fit for the company, like they they can learn most of the stuff pretty quickly. Now, if you're looking for a web developer or you know a certified accountant, obviously they need to have the skills, right? But like a lot of the time, we we really hire a lot of people that probably most others wouldn't have hired because on paper they might not have the the experience or the skills, but but the attitude and and. That really, the mindset for me is just that important, right?
1: Yeah. And when you think about what, how, how easy it is to learn things you don't know, it's pretty impressive, right? So, I mean, most of the learning that, that a lot of entrepreneurs have, and definitely for me, has come from books, from Googling things, from listening to people. <laughs> you know, it hasn't come yep. from, you know, it, it's self-directed uh, learning. So yep. if somebody wants to learn something and they have the desire to learn it, pretty much they can always find a way to do that and to actually get very, very competent at things through free resources that are out there. So it's not always on the job learning either. I'm always very suspicious of people who, when you interview them, they sort of expect that their manager will teach them how to do things versus that they will seek that information out and then kind of tweak around the edges with the manager and get leadership, you know, from that manager as opposed to i don't know learning google adwords from them or something
0: like that babysitting yeah
1: right
0: yeah and that's uh yeah it's really interesting and i think like I've, i've i've interviewed i've interviewed several thousand people in my career so far and i think about three times so far i've literally not let people leave the room but it's very rarely that i really find someone that i'm you know i want you to work for me right now but but I think three times in my career, I've, I've experienced it, and uh, I've literally just offered them on the spot, right? And actually, two of them we didn't even, we weren't even recruiting or we weren't even hiring, particularly at that point in time. But you know, sometimes you just, you just have these super amazing people that just shows up and totally, totally surprise you, right?
1: Yeah, and the other thing to note, and you know, kind of on that same topic, is that. Super amazing people is very specific to a particular business, right? So somebody that you might see as super amazing for your business might not be somebody I see as super amazing for mine. So it's also, for me, has been really important kind of differentiating the, oh my gosh, you're incredible versus you're incredible for the company culture that I have within the context of Greenback, Um, because those aren't always the same thing. 100%
0: One hundred percent correct, and that 's actually like I, I I work a lot with people in, in in terms of like interviewing and help them become better at at that right and one of the things I say is like the interview questions that i 've built over many years is questions that fits me and my personality and sort of the company culture that I create really well, but they 're not necessarily the ideal questions for everyone because you know, people have different companies. And I see that like when you're actually recruiting and and particularly sort of interview process and interview questions and stuff, I I see that also being very, very unique because uh, it's something that you build over time when you start realizing, you know, uh, and I I love looking at data. I mean, like yourself, I'm very organized. So I I love data. And one of the things I, I love doing is like always, always asking people the same interview questions so that I can go back and actually review and see what, what like when I look at my top 10% performers, what did they answer in the interviews? Because for oh. me, that's that's one of the great ways where you can actually find what works and what doesn't. That's a really
1: do, good idea. <laughs> I've never we, done that we, before, but I like it.
0: <laughs> we do a similar exercise the other way around. So we look at the people we hire that have failed or people that hired that haven't done so well. And we also try and look at what do they have in common. Mm-hmm. Because again, it's all about learning from the data, right? And we have found many things. So for example, the, the outsourcing business we have in Philippines, one of the things that, I mean, it's not obvious, but we, we learned that, people who had lived abroad even for a three-month spell generally did significantly better. And the reason why we realized that was because our HR, like we were, we were going through all this data, they were sitting looking at the resumes and basically realized that nine out of our top, nine out of our 10 top performers had actually uh, like that worked abroad or lived abroad for a period of time. And so then we started looking at the rest of the people and we're like, oh, well, no one else have. Um, and that was just a very interesting finding, right? Yeah. Um, I, I actually got it from big corporate. Like when, when I, I worked in a different company, we, we were hiring customer service people. And, you know, that comes with certain varieties and so on. But the one thing we realized was that every time you hired people who had a background as waiters, And this was specific to the U.S., but every time for customer service, we hired people with a background of waiters. They just did really well. And the logic behind it kind of makes sense. Like When you go in and look at it and say, in the U.S., you're not a waiter for very long if you're not doing well with customer service because then you won't get a lot of tips. Mm -hmm. But if you are doing really well and make sure you earn yourself a lot of tips, then you you will do the job for a longer period of time. And we actually, for customer service role, we started advertising directly to waiters, saying, "Hey, are you tired working at night and you know waiting table or whatever?" And and we would literally target waiters specifically for those roles. And like the improvements we had overall from just hiring waiters or ex waiters, but well, it was like gigantic, right? So that's actually where I got the initial thoughts about that sort of mindset around. But but we we do that a lot in every business that I.
1: Oh, I love it. I'm literally taking notes. That's such a great idea because we don't, I mean, I, I actually have a very different interview style, which I don't know if necessarily serves me, frankly, but that is that I sort of just follow the thread of what it is we're talking about. So our HR manager does a very, very structured interview. So I sort of know that she will have covered all of the different bases and what you're describing in terms of data. I'm sure she could go back and use all that. Whereas I just try to sort of see if I can chat to someone for a bit and try to really kind of gauge how they how they behave in a situation that's a little bit less structured. Right. So, you know, and, 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 but, uh, you know, using that data. That's really, that's a really, really good tip. I really, It's really interesting. Also, I wonder if it's like a chicken or egg thing. Like, I wonder if people who are good at customer service seek out waiter jobs, for example, or seek out living abroad because they like new experiences or if it's that anybody who's lived abroad, then has you know that kind of broadened skill set, and anyone who's had to be a waiter has learned already how to do that. Like you wonder whether it's you know how how it's whether it's caused or correlated or how that kind of works.
0: Totally. And I, I think, like, for Mark, we, we found actually a very interesting last point about it. We, we found out that um, we were hiring from a particular school in the Philippines, like, the, actually, the top rated school in the area where, where our office is, right? And what we found was literally everyone we hired from the school failed. But the thing is, once we actually started looking at the data, we hadn't realized that. Now, when we started looking at the data, and we're like, you know, we have hired 17 people over the last two years who have actually coming from this school or or have had an education from this school and none of them have worked out. Like none of them have been here more than six months, right? Again, it was really interesting data and when we started digging in and and sort of thinking about it, like it it led us to think that that it's probably because it's sort of very rich families and, you know, Not to say something directly about those people, but a lot of them felt very privileged, right? And when they came out and had a job and and had to work really hard, that was difficult for a lot of them, right? Mm -hmm. But I I think, again, it's those findings that if you don't go in and look at the data very specifically, like you probably won't find that.
1: Right. Oh, that's really interesting. I really like it. I'm going to think that through a little bit.
0: (laughs) Yep. Always fun, always fun, and uh, always, <laughs> always fun. Two things: going back, looking at resumes is fun, uh, but also like actually looking at people who have been with you for a longer period of time. Like when you go back and look at like what was their interview questions, what was their answers, and we, we've had a lot of fun with that at the, in the company. For so yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, I'm, I, I sense a project, an internal HR project coming on in our business.
0: <laughs> I hope you have the resources for it. <laughs> Right. You onboard a lot of people. Have you got any sort of great tips and tricks around onboarding and so on? So a lot of the people I work with, right, they, they, you know, they're always like, how do, I, how do I bring people in? Like when I'm hiring a lot of people, how do I do it well? So any particular things that you have found working really well in, in that situation?
1: So what I do is I do 30-day projects, um, pretty much no matter what level within the management team. And the reason I do that is because I actually think it's really hard for somebody to come in, especially in a remote role, to come in and just kind of see everything all at once, right, like to be able to come in and get up to speed on everything. I think that's difficult and they just, it's really, really you know, time consuming for the rest of the management team to be able to do that too um but i also think for those people they really like the idea of being able to get in and get deep and kind of sink their teeth in a project and you learn the way that they work they learn the way that you work they get to know a couple people on that team and they're kind of immediately contributing so i look for ways that when we bring people on they immediately are contributing from day one and they're immediately adding value and they're immediately kind of building relationships that aren't based on trying to have a get to know you type call that you know sort of can feel a little bit awkward and you know a little bit difficult. So I always yeah. do a series of different 30-day projects. Some that I know are gonna be a little bit tricky. Some that I know are gonna be a little bit easy. And and structure it around um, trying to help people just immediately be able to day one start being a, a part of the team as opposed to you know spending a month trying to get up to speed and forgetting all of those things. Month actually working on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I mean, that's I, I, not necessarily a 30-day product, but I, I most of the clients I work with, I tell the same because like one of the experiences that I remember myself is the first day in a new business, it's kind of weird and scary and, you know, you're kind of trying to find your feet and you're like where do I find information and you know people's like oh it's on the share drive and you're like what's the share drive where is it how do I find it how do I access it you know that there's so much stuff when you join a company and'm I'm, I'm totally a believer in what you're saying because because for us like I always say give a small project to start that people you know they can show their skills but also that they get a, a very good first experience in the job because that way you know, they, they really see that, you know, they, they get that confidence and they get that boost and sort of, you know, I'm confident I'm here. Because a lot mm-hmm. of people, when, when they show up to, to work, right, what, what happens is, you know, that they're trying to be confident, they're trying to look good in the interview, but people always question themselves. And getting off to a good start makes a huge difference,
1: right? Yeah.
0: So really like that 30-day project. That's uh, really good thinking. I, I will I'll, uh, definitely try and see if that's... Uh, a good mythology to go forward for for some of our stuff as well because like we we have done it a lot but often we would do smaller projects maybe like a week or something just to sort of do some confidence boost initially but uh 30 days is a good trial period and so on so yeah interesting what what else from uh, from sort of onboarding any other sort of key things that that you found being really important
1: um, I mean, I don't do, so we use, we use a system called Podio as kind of our internal um, kind of project management and, co- you know, internal collaboration system. And because we have this, this basically place where you've got all these different workspaces, I make a point of actually not adding new starters to every single thing at first, because I find it can be just completely overwhelming. But I do make sure that they very immediately have access to all the data sources and all the goals. Yeah. So... One thing that we do um, is, you know, I, I do annual planning. Um, I'm a big planner, <laughs> so I do annual planning, and we do um, a series of what we call kind of rocks, which are it's it's based on the um, there's a book called Traction, and I a lot of my management techniques are kind of borrowed from there. Um, and so we basically have a series of different rocks. And so one of the things I've started to do is that when I when I present that to the team at the beginning of the year. So for example, we were just in San Diego two weeks ago and I was presenting that to the management team. We record that so that anybody new who starts throughout the year literally can hear it for the first time, including people's questions and commentary and any of that. So you know, somebody we have somebody new starting with us next week, for example, and one of the things that she'll be able to do right away is listen to the business annual goals And those rocks as if she were there from the you know day one in the same exact context and of course we also have a deck that sits behind that but actually listening to that and listening to the questions i think really helps um we also do sometimes i I do quarterly goals too and usually it's just an extension of what we're doing annually unless things really shift but if anything does shift i also re-record that stuff quarterly so that again anytime somebody joins us throughout the year like they really have a sense of that higher level view um as opposed to feeling like, oh gosh, I have no idea. And it's actually really hard to join mid-year. I don't want anyone to feel that way.
0: I love that. That is an absolute golden nugget. Um, yeah, I, I think that's that's genius, right? Because I think a, a lot of people, I mean, traction have become very popular in, in in the online community and so on, right? And and it is a great management system in general. Um, and I think I think you, you're taking it a step further, right? You, you've found something that works really well. And I, I love how that works because it actually also gives you a good uh, opportunity to to sort of an easier way to actually go back and review it as well. Um, and sort of see how much people grow and stuff. So, but I, I really love that. That's amazing.
1: And, you know, the other kind of little side benefit to it is, and I've heard a couple different people on my team say it, is that, like, for example, someone's like, you know, a couple of weeks off and they come back and they're like, oh gosh, I need to kind of get myself reacclimated. Like, oh, I listened to all the videos again and I just was like immediately back into the mode. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so it just, it really helps to kind of, you know, or they're working on a big project and kind of stepped away. Like, people actually re listen to some of this stuff, which uh-huh. I never, ever expected. I mean, usually that kind of thing is pulling teeth, but people actually do use some of those videos over time um, to Amazing. kind of reacclimate themselves to goals.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's great. Okay, yeah, so that's some of the, the biggest. The, the last one that I want to ask you about is, is also one of the most popular questions that I get a lot, which is around delegation, right? So a lot of people in this online space really struggle with delegation and letting go and all this stuff. Any sort of key thoughts and any sort of golden nuggets to people around delegation from your side?
1: Well, so it's obviously very different at different levels. So speaking to kind of the level that I would delegate to, which is my managers, so people who are very much entitled um, to, not entitled, but empowered to make decisions, you know, I think that you you need to, you very much need to be delegating to outcomes as opposed to tasks. So you're, you know, you're absolutely sort of saying like, this is, you know, in in somebody's role document, you could list out like. I don't know, send this report on Fridays or do this. And actually like, that's not what you mean. What you mean is manage to this metric yeah. or make sure that you know, this overall happens within the business and choose appropriately what needs to happen within the context of that. So I think it actually starts deeper back than what people think in, in terms of delegating. So if you're sort of asking that question, I would say you almost need to like kind of circle back up and look at your role documents and also circle back up and make sure that each person is really clear on what KPIs they are you know that are are they're responsible for. So if you're delegating tasks then you know basically you're just saying do this one thing and if that doesn't go right then they're not expected to do something else whereas if you're sort of saying i don't know if you've got a um it's a good example if you've got a kind of customer service you know person and you're saying you know make sure that you respond that you you know go in and manage the inbox each day you're delegating to a task or as if what you're saying is do what it takes to make sure that 75 percent of people are happy within the first you know interaction or 95 percent of people are happy in the first interaction it's sort of giving them a broader range of what they can do within that but also making really clear what you want to do so i think usually people when they're asking that it's because they're they're people, they're giving people tasks, and they're not really realizing that those people don't know the context of those tasks and don't know that actually what they're expected is to manage to a certain outcome. I have also seen people do that in the wrong way, where they give people too much broad range. And so it really has to depend on the level you're at. So the KPI someone manages to is really key. Um, Bringing in someone junior and having them manage to like the company revenue target doesn't make any sense. So it has to be the appropriate KPI for it to
0: work. Yeah. That makes total sense. That makes total sense. Carrie, that was a, that was a really, really, really good discussion. Uh, Just before we finished up any sort of last resources or any, you already mentioned traction, but any other sort of books or anything that you learned from that you would, you would recommend to the audience?
1: Oh gosh. I'm usually, I usually have like 20 different books I would recommend, but I don't have any ones that I've read recently that I absolutely uh, love. I have to say, (laughs) Traction's definitely a good one um for sure um, yeah well
0: i'll 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 throw one at you then if you're looking for good management tips
1: yeah.
0: uh, first first break all the rules what the world's best managers does differently
1: oh, okay i'm writing that one down
0: that is uh, one of my favorites and uh, not not very not particularly famous but uh i think for business owners it's a very interesting book
1: yeah, and actually, one that I read not super recently is I really like all of Brené Brown's work in general, yes. just in terms of kind of overall, you know, self self leadership. But I've I've really enjoyed some of her more recent work on um, you know leadership in, in the context of business. So I recommend that to anybody too.
0: Awesome, that is really good, Carrie. Thank you very much for joining us. If people want to get hold of you. Or if they're desperate to get rid of their taxes or dealing with their taxes, what well, what's the best way to get a hold of you or the, the business?
1: Is www.greenbacktaxservices.com or our um, the best email address for any you know to be able to to get some help with taxes is info at info@greenbacktaxservices.com.
0: Awesome, that is really good, Carrie. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure having you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.